0: good morning everyone the reading this morning is taken from 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 4 to 10 as you come to him the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Thank you, Dawn. Thank you, everybody. Uh, Particular welcome to anyone visiting this morning. My name is Jonathan G. It's my privilege to be the vicar here. If you're visiting, relax. I'm inviting the church family to commit themselves to the Lord afresh. Uh, If you're part of another church family, just pray blessing on everyone here. We're all a little nervous on Commitment Sunday as to what the Lord's asking of us. We don't need to be because God is good and he is the great giver. And as we offer our time, our energies, our finances, our hands are open to receive all that he wants to give to us. And when we hold on to them, we sort of can't get what God's giving to us. He's the great giver. But there's something in us that's always a bit nervous about the giving. So pray for our church family. Uh, welcome, engage any 11 to 14-year-olds. The youth team are away on a training weekend, so they can be even better at doing what they do week by week. But I know you've got goodie bags. I saw there were chocolate bars in there. So um, Enjoy them, and uh, whatever else is in there. Sorry, Will, you're over 11 to 14. You don't get a bag with chocolate bars. Uh, Let's pray that God, only just, uh, let's pray. Lord God, our Father, we praise you that you are good. You are the great giver. Thank you that you love the world so much. You sent your Son. Praise you, Lord Jesus, that you came, gave your life, that we might live forever to be forgiven and adopted in your family. As we sang a little while ago about you coming back one day, we we'll think about that next week at Advent. Give us grace to live like you rose again yesterday, like you're coming back tomorrow, and to live our lives with you as Lord. Send your spirit on us now as I speak, as we listen. May we hear your word to us. And by your Spirit, would you enable us to give freely of what you've already given to us. And we ask it in your great name. Amen. So two weeks ago on Vision Sunday, I outlined our purpose that we are articulating as following Jesus, the way, the truth and the life. It's disarmingly simple. Any church could adopt that. Just happens to be the verse that was written in the bricks over my head by the good people of St Mary's 150 years ago who planted us that Jesus being the way, the truth and the life is kind of wired into who we are. It's part of God's thumbprint on us as St Paul's. And then how in Norman Warren's day, those three symbols out on the wall, out on the pavement of the cross, Jesus walked the way of the cross and calls us to take up our cross and follow him. And the Bible, Jesus is the truth which we read about in the scriptures and shows us the true way to go. And he's the life, that picture of the Holy Spirit out there is a dove. God gives his spirit to us. Those things that are written in the bricks there and written on the wall out there, we're praying that God would write them on our own hearts as we follow him. Um, I sketched out a a 10-year vision, which is for us to really wrestle with um, and discern if this is right and then work out what we're gonna do about it. As Andy alluded to earlier, that by Easter 2033, so just over 10 years' time, we'll have decided that, yes, we're up for this by Easter, so we're 10 years before 2033. That will be the 2,000th anniversary of the resurrection by our calendar. So Jesus was about 30 when he started his ministry, three years' ministry, 33 by our, by our calendar, uh, he died and rose again. And there's a great movement worldwide to really give everyone in the world a proper chance to engage with the good news of Jesus. And our vision is to play our part, together with other churches around, to give everybody in this area a chance to respond to the good news of Jesus. That will take some doing, and we'll all need to play our part. Uh, It comes as we follow Jesus. I've got a number of verses to put up, so we thank the Lord for our projectionists and... uh, uh, it's saving us having to wrestle 300s of pages all the time, but Matthew 4:19, Jesus said, follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. Our job is to follow Jesus, the way, the truth, the life, and then follow as he leads us to reach others. It comes as he fills us with his Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, 8, Jesus said that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. It's not something we need to drum up and grit our teeth to do, As God fills us by his Holy Spirit, so we overflow to those around. The best witness is overflow when we're in love with the Lord and his goodness to us. That will shine through us by his Spirit. And I love the way Jesus put it to his disciples. There they were in Jerusalem to start with. Just go back to that last one, can we please, Daniel? Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. We were planted here for the people of this parish, Our vision for the last 20 years has been for Leamington as a whole. And now we're becoming a mission hub church for the diocese. There's a wider remit to work with churches in the area so that we can really proclaim the good news of Jesus to the whole area. Uh, Following Jesus is costly. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. But it's the way to life. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it whoever loses their life for me will save it. There's something in giving our life to the Lord when we discover who we are and we truly come alive. And the opposite, when we try and hold on to everything we've got, actually we shrivel up. Uh, the truth is that we cannot outgive God. Luke 6:38. Uh, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap with the measure you use it will be measured now obviously we give in different ways our time our finances and God gives back to us in different ways we long for the gifts that are the most valuable his peace his joy contentment uh, that sense of being well in God's world and right with the Lord. Uh, and as we give he gives those deep treasures to us along the way he promises all sorts of other things I rather like uh, this that Jesus said to Peter when Peter Peter was saying, we're following you, kind of what's in it for us? This is Mark chapter 10, verse 28. Peter said, we've left everything to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who's left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children's fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Uh, the Christian road is a road of battles and blessings. They're side by side. You used to think it was blessing, then battle, then blessing, then battle. Now I just learned they're both there all the time. And the more we give to the Lord, the more He uses us, and the more we can receive. We cannot outgive God. That, if you like, is the big theme over Commitment Sunday. It's not the main text I'm preaching on today. This is all still the introduction, but we cannot outgive God. Uh, so why have I chosen this passage from 1 Peter chapter 2? Thank you, Dawn, for reading it, uh, about living stones. Well, our purpose is following Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. As John fourteen six is. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's written in the bricks over us. But when we prayed in the summer into all this, there were lots of encouragements that we were on track. But a particular challenge was that what's written in the bricks over our head needs to be written in us as God's people. And that's why I've chosen this passage where Peter talks about us being living stones. We need to be like the sort of Blackpool rock that wherever you cut it, you get the same message through that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. As people encounter us uh, together, as people encounter us individually, we are followers of Jesus, the way, the truth, and life. That needs to be written in us, in who we are, quite apart from written in the bricks and uh, written in those symbols out on the, uh, out on the wall out there. So Those symbols are, are really helpful. Just to go through them again, John 14:6, Jesus says, I am the way, that symbol of the cross, he leads us the way of the cross that leads to resurrection. He's the way; no one comes to the Father but through Him. That's why we want to tell everybody about Jesus, because we can come into relationship with God as Father. He's the truth about God. He reveals this in John forty-nine. Jesus said, "Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father." How can you say shows sure, the Father if you want to know what God's like? Look at Jesus. From time to time, people say, well, I've been looking for God all my life. (laughs) If I'm feeling naughty, I sometimes say, we haven't been looking very hard. (laughs) Jesus has said, here I am. (laughs) What do you make of Jesus? And they sometimes say, well, I haven't really thought about him very much. They say, well, it would be a really good time to do that. Now, there are more sensitive ways of doing that. But the point is, Jesus shows us who God is. And Jesus gives the life. John 10.10, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. He gives us this life by his Spirit. So what's written in the bricks up here, what's in the symbols out there, needs to be written in us as God's people, as living stones. So here endeth the rather long introduction, apologies. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, if we can put those verses up. As you come to him, writes Peter, that's Jesus, he's the living stone. He was rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious. You also, like living stones, are being built into a, I didn't quite get there, built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we are living stones following Jesus, the living stone. Now, this idea would have appealed to Peter enormously. If you know anything about what names mean, Peter from Petros means rock or stone. Jesus nicknamed him. He was Simon. Jesus said, you will be called Rocky, Kephas in Hebrew, Petros in Greek, Peter. And here is Peter in his old age writing to young Christians all over, struggling to live out their Christian faith. You can be a living stone, just as he was called to be one. Peter would have loved this idea. All of us are called to be living stones built into the spiritual temple that God is building. The church is not primarily the building. It's primarily the people, and we are built into a building that God can dwell in by his spirit. Uh, This is how St. Paul put it in Ephesians 2. You're no longer foreigners and strangers. You're fellow citizens with God's people, members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. We start our service with that great hymn. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So Paul's got it there in Ephesians, Peter's got it here. We are living stones being built into something wonderful that God can inhabit by his spirit. And all of us have a part to play, every single one, even you who thinks this is not you and it's just for the people next door to you. Uh, so if my big message today is that you cannot outgive God, so offer freely, let me put it the other way around. We're all part of the church, God's church family. We're living stones. If you don't play your part, it's like there's a hole in the wall, there's a brick missing. So please don't be the hole in the wall. That's um, I may mention that again a little later on. But we need everybody to play their part. Even if you think you're not very, what you've got isn't very much. God has given us gifts, and as we use them, they grow and grow. And if we don't use them, it's like leaving a hole in the wall. Um, the building's not so strong. Others have to cover for us. They get more tired. Um, Paul uses this image of the body like we need all the bits of our body to be working well and even if you know if I got a sore toe that affects the whole of me Uh, we need all the bits to be working well Uh, so this idea of living stones here we are 1 Peter 2 we're being built into a spiritual house now I don't know if you've spent much time on building sites me, not a lot, but over the last 10 years, we did two big redevelopments here. And I was quite often down here with my hard hat on, looking around. Building sites are messy and muddy. They don't look good until they're finished. And then when they're finished and the builders finally move out, then we celebrate the building that's been done. It was the same here 10 years ago when we redeveloped and seven years ago. It's a bit of a mess when you look around for most of it until finally the building was ready. So don't be surprised that the church is a bit messy. We are our building site. God is building something of us. Don't expect the church to be perfect yet. It's only going to be perfect when the builders finish building, on the day that Jesus returns, and then the glory of the church will be revealed uh, for all it is. In the meantime, it's a bit messy, and some people only see the mess and have a go at us. Well, okay. But God is building us to be a spiritual house that he can inhabit, that we can demonstrate his praises, we can tell people, we can worship him, people can encounter God through us. Uh, Let me just step back a bit wider from 1 Peter chapter 2 to give you the context for this whole letter. Uh, Right at 1 Peter 1.1, Peter says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect or chosen, exiles scattered throughout those provinces. So all over the Mediterranean, the Roman world, God's people had been scattered living as exiles, citizens of heaven in a world, the Roman Empire, which was persecuting them. Nero's persecution going on around the time of this. Christians persecuted, scattered, citizens of heaven. Uh, Peter's writing to them to live for Jesus. Even though the world doesn't see it, you are being built into something very special that God is going to use for his glory. Now, we are living through a time that is becoming a post-Christian era. There are many Christian values in our society, but quite often people use the Christian values that come from Jesus to attack the church. It's a strange new thing you only get in a post-Christian society. In a pre-Christian society, we know the church and the world have different values. In Christendom, kind of had the same values. Now, in a post-Christian society, the values are there, but not what underlies it. And we get attacked from time to time... Uh, because we don't have the same view of tolerance as the world has. The world has a rather intolerant view of tolerance, that if, you, if you're not tolerant to what I think you should be, then you're intolerant and you're a bigot. Um, and we ha- are beginning to have a little bit of flack, nothing like the persecution our brothers and fister- sisters face in countries at the Open Doors, our mission partner, Open Doors, who work with persecuted Christians. But it's getting more uncomfortable to be a Christian, And Peter says this, uh, chapter 2, verse 12, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Um, There was a Christian in a previous church I was at who went to work wearing a really insensitive T-shirt that basically says, trust in God or you're going to hell, which is really stupid. And... um, there are better ways to tell people about Jesus and he asked me to pray for him because he was being persecuted at work for being a Christian and I said no you're not you're being persecuted at work for being stupid (laughs) there are better ways to share this is what Peter says live such good lives that even if they're going to accuse you of things um, they can glorify God and then later on chapter 3 verse 15 live with Christ as Lord Always be ready, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. So we are to, we have this wonderful news we need to tell people, but the best way to do it is to live this out, and as people ask us, we tell them. We need to be a little bit more proactive than that, and we can be. We're praying for the carol services, wonderful to invite people. But this is the whole context of 1 Peter to people who are Christians in a world that doesn't believe that Jesus is Lord. Live this out in the marketplace. Be ready to tell people. Do it with gentleness and respect. And even though you're not valued by the world, God is building you as living stones into something wonderful. And Peter focuses again and again. This is a wonderful letter to read. uh, Quite short. You could read it very easily later uh, on Jesus. He is the living stone, chapter 2, verse 4. We come to him. He was rejected by humans on the cross, but chosen by God. And Peter talks about this more in our passage, just briefly, verses 6 to 8. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. This is Jesus. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. To you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Jesus actually forces people one way or another. He's either a rock that people trip over and stumble or he's a foundation stone that you build your life on. And we need to hold out Jesus. Not everyone will bow their knee to him, How much we'd like that to happen. But some will come and others will not. Jesus said that would happen, but we must be telling the world about Jesus gently and with respect. Uh, let's go to 1 Peter 2, verse 9. We'll stick, skip over these two, because we've done these two. Thank you. Peter says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. We are a royal priesthood. It's not language we use very much. Just think about the language of priests. A priest is someone who stands between God and people. Uh, So everybody kind of knows they can't just walk into God's presence. God is holy and we can't. So we need someone to be an intermediary. And the Old Testament, they had the priests who sort of stood between God and the people and offered the sacrifices of animals. And the priests are there to pray for the people and to tell God about the people, to to pray to God for the people, to tell the people about God. Jesus came as the great high priest. He is the only priest we need. He stands between us and God as an intermediary. His sacrifice for himself, he is the great high priest. And we are a royal priesthood. So we as the church are to be like that for the world. We stand between God and the world. We pray for the world, as Graham was leading us in earlier. And we tell the world about Jesus. Now, when vicars get called priests, it can be confusing. Uh, It's one of the reasons I don't particularly like wearing my dog collar because it makes me stand out. I'm just the same as everybody else with a different function. God's given me a function. There is a function of the vicar to sort of be a focus of the church in engaging with the world. But never instead of the church. We are all part of this royal priesthood. And together, everybody has a part to play in representing God to the world, telling the world about Jesus, and praying for the world. And those of us who are called to be ordained have a particular role within that, as part of the royal priesthood. And we are called to be living sacrifices." if we go back to verse five. "You like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices." Um, Paul put it like this in Romans 12:1, the same idea. "I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice." Now, they would have known the sacrifices in the temple. They were animals, they were on the altar, they were dead. It's often been said that the trouble with living sacrifices is they keep crawling off the altar. (laughs) We don't want to. And today, Commitment Sunday, I'm inviting you to put yourselves firmly back on the altar and offer ourselves to Jesus, to live for Him. This is true and proper worship. It's the worship of our lives, not just the worship of of our lips now you may think you don't have very much to offer that's not actually true all of us have got things to offer uh, it will soon be winter time praise the Lord it's been so mild when, when gas and electricity are so expensive But let's pray for a mild winter the whole way through but it will probably snow at some point and a snowflake feels so pathetic but when we get lots of them they stop the traffic, they're quite potent and on our own we may feel that the time the money we can give Our prayers don't matter very much. They do. If we don't use them, we're like the hole in the wall. When we bring them together, it's like the power of snow together that can really be quite potent. And all of us as living bricks are needed, all of us as part of God's body. I mean, it is just amazing. I don't know whether you engaged with children in need the other night. A nation that's struggling financially Lots of people chipping in, just a tiny bit. 35 million, was it, the BBC raised or something? An amazing amount when everyone comes together. So here in our church, there's a definite need for everyone's time and gifts and finances and prayer. And when we all put it in, it's extraordinary what we can do. Uh, So I'm asking you to respond in three particular ways. Um, The response form... Uh, that we've got there. By the way, did anybody manage to not get a response form? Because we put your hands up and the stewards will just bring them out while I'm wittering about this. So if anybody's got there, just one or two folks who are probably taking children out when we were doing this. Put your hands high. Well, um, uh, at home, it, they're in the email that we sent out on Friday. And if you're not ready to do it today, that's fine, do it during the week. On this response form, I'm asking you to respond in three particular ways. Thinking about our prayer thinking about our time, how we serve God, thinking about our finance. Prayer is the fundamental thing. We're following Jesus, and we follow him better as we pray. I love this verse in the Psalms, Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labour in vain. We are offering ourselves as living stones to be built by the Lord. So we, we need to pray. Please pray... Every day for an aspect of our church family, um, I'll produce a card in the new year uh, with so that we can use through the year. Of just going through the different aspects of the church's ministry. But you could use the sheet with all the activities on that we sent out earlier to do that. Pray for our children and young people's groups. Pray for our students and our adults, our older people. Pray for our warm spaces and the ministry midweek. Pray for me for wisdom in leading the church. Pray for the church. Pray for one. I really want to encourage you to pray for a particular aspect of the church. We send out regular prayer emails about our children and youth and students and Alpha and leadership and older people's ministry. You might want to sign up for one of those and really focus your prayer on that part of the ministry. I want to encourage you to choose one of our mission partners to pray for. Um, Could be one of the ones locally, like the Well or Thrive or Christians Against Poverty, the debt center or Food Bank or Street Pastors or Flourish could be one of those. Could be one of the wider ones, like Open Doors, working with persecuted Christians or Not Deck out in Uganda with all the children who've been orphaned or whose families can't look after them. Could be Battelle, working with people from addiction. It could be New Wine or CPS. It could be one of the individuals or couples who are serving all over the world, like John and Hannah in Central Asia, or Stu and Rosie and Elisa and Marcos in Brazil, or Teresa in Papua New Guinea, or James and Rachel in Albania, or Claire or Charles in Argentina, or Richard and Catherine and Keith and Catherine working with international students here in this country. Uh, Pray for friends and family, work colleagues who don't know Jesus. Really encourage you to pray for three, four, five people every day or weekly, to come to know Jesus. Pray for opportunities to talk to them about him. Uh, and in particular, we're going to start a new Monday night prayer meeting monthly next term. We have a good Saturday morning prayer meeting. It's quite early and often on people's Sabbath lie And if you can get to that, it's a good prayer meeting. Uh, the Monday evening prayer meeting should be at a time that most people can get to I'm inviting you to come and join in that prayer meeting if you possibly can. Nobody ever feels like it at seven o'clock on a dark evening. Uh, but we come, and actually when we do gather to pray, it is so energizing. The Lord gives and resources and energizes. So commit to praying. Uh, commit to serving with your time. Jesus is the servant king. He said, even the son of man did not come to serve... But to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom, and we're made in his image. And as we give of our time, so we receive. We cannot outgive God. As a wonderful Anglican collect that said, "Serving God is the way to perfect freedom." God, whose service is perfect freedom, and it's a strange thing that as we serve him, we become more truly ourselves. If you're not sure what to do, there's that long list I'm grateful to Naomi putting together and Andy helping to do that um, and the, if you're not ready to, then determined to pray this through you can pick up one of those lists uh, from the back some of you are doing too much you're seeing the holes in the wall and trying to cover everything concentrate on what the Lord's giving you some of you haven't yet offered to give of your time what the Lord's asking you don't be the hole in the wall <laughs> let's everybody offer what we can some of you just don't know what you can do, and just tick, I'd like to have a chat, please. Uh, but the that everybody plays their part. Uh, that wonderful video that Lars put together, brilliant, just last Sunday, um, could have interviewed 200 different people about what they do in the life of the church. It would have been rather a long video. Uh, but the, each one of them saying, I enjoy this, this is good, it helps, this is great. And that's, that's the joy of serving the Lord. And then the last area, our money. Um, I'm not preaching a long giving sermon, you'll be pleased to know. Uh, I've done that many times in the past. Uh, John Wimber used to spell faith, R-I-S-K. He used to spell commitment, M-O-N-E-Y. That's how you know you're committed to something when we give our money to it. And for most of us, giving our money, the bank account's the last bit to get converted, really, when the Lord works through us. For some, it's, it's different. Some, the time is a more precious commodity. Uh, But we offer our money. And we encourage people to give proportionately to what we we earn. So if we earn a lot, we can give a lot. If we earn a little, we give a little. Uh, I always speak about the biblical standard of tithing. Tithing is, there's a lot in the Old Testament. That means giving 10%. The New Testament says less about it. Though when Jesus mentioned it, he said you should. But the New Testament is generous and sacrificial, which for many of us will be more than tithing. If you earn a lot and you give 10%, you've still got 90% of a lot, which is a lot. If you've only earned a little, tithing is incredibly sacrificial. You've only got a little, and then you've only got 90% of a little. That's really generous. Uh, And for those of you who do not have enough, we have our hardship fund. Please ask. People have given generously in extra giving to what they give normally to church. We have money in the hardship fund. We're giving it to help people in need. Please let us know. Uh, it's the biggest delight to help people who need help to have what they need. Uh, I think tithing is a bit like stabilizers when you're learning to ride a bike. And those of us who learned to ride with stabilizers, now you have these bikes without wheels, don't you, that they just use with their feet. But in the good old days, you had stabilizers, training wheels, so you learned to ride and then you could take the stabilizers off and you didn't need them. Tithing's a bit like that. Until you've learnt to give generously and sacrificially, 10% is a good rough and ready reckoner. If you've got kids, give them pocket money, give it in multiples of 10, teach them to save 10%, give 10% and live off 80%. It will set them up for life. But actually once we've been tithing for a while, the Lord starts saying, well you can do more than that. Uh, And there have been seasons where God's asked me to increase the percentage uh, that I give. Um, for those of you who are giving seriously, please just give it up by increase it by a percentage. If your salary is going up 5%, give a 5% increase. Vickers are going to be paid 5% more from April the 1st. So I've looked at our giving, we've actually put it up 6%. Uh, from, but uh, we're, we're giving what we can. If you've not yet started, please do, and please use the parish giving scheme if you possibly can. Uh, this collects the tax back for us and saves a huge amount of administration, and it just comes in regularly. Hugely helpful. If you can't, don't worry. Uh, Give in a way you can. If you pay tax, please use standing orders. If you're not sure what to do, you can drop a note to Zach, our treasurer, who's only too pleased to help. Uh, And we have a finance team who can help people. If you need help financially, please ask. Um... There's much more I could say about that, but I, I won't. If you've got questions about giving, do ask and drop me a, lo- a note. I'd be delighted to talk with you about that. Or even give you an old sermon of mine where you can, if you can't get to sleep, you can listen to that until you've got, got it cracked. Uh, final verse as we come into land before we respond. The end of this lovely letter, 1 Peter, telling people to live sacrificially, not to moan when it's difficult, to be like Jesus in a world which doesn't value him. He says this at the end of the letter, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Jesus is the good shepherd. He loves you, he cares for you. The Lord is our shepherd. He's promised to provide for our needs. Genuinely, I'm inviting you to offer with open hands so you can receive what God uh, has to give you. It's good for us. We also need it as a church. This time last year, I said we were facing a hundred thousand deficit. By God's grace, we spent fifty thousand less, and fifty thousand more came in. So it seems it's working okay. It's looking like we're facing the hundred thousand deficit again, uh, unless more giving comes in, or unless. uh, So there's a real need, and if but if everybody plays their part, actually we can do that. Um, So if you've never started to give, please do. Uh, so I wonder if the musicians would come back. What we're going to do is we're going to have two songs. The first song we'll stay sitting down for. It's just a chance to fill in these forms. Um, it's sometimes quite helpful to, if you're giving an amount, if you're going to write an amount on the bottom, you can tear the form off. And we'll just pass those to Zach, our treasurer, so that others don't see that. Uh, otherwise, you can just if you need if the boxes don't work for you, you can write a note on the back but the band will play through one song for us as we just think about filling this in. If you're not ready yet, that's fine. But then we'll play a second song. I invite you to stand for the second song. And so during that song, come forward and put your response in these baskets. There's a couple of baskets here. If it overflows, don't worry, we'll pick them up. Um, So Lord, we pray. Come by your Holy Spirit and just minister to us. Praise you that we cannot outgive you. Praise you for being part of this church family where you are so obviously at work. Send your spirit and give us grace to trust you with our time and our money. If we've not yet thought this through, will you put an amount in our heads Uh, or something to do if we're not sure, then give us grace to ask for a chat about this or to be reminded later. But we pray that you will both release the resources that are needed for the ministry of this church, financially, time and energy, but also that you would release each one of us and give us grace to trust you, our Heavenly Father, our Good Shepherd. So come Holy Spirit and minister as we listen and then as we sing and as we fill in the forms.